welcome to Product Marketing Maestros, Tales from the Frontlines. I'm your host, Nathan Karthik. As Director of Product Marketing, I've always found that real-world case studies are truly the litmus test for the effectiveness of any product marketing strategy. And that is why, in this show, we dive into the minds of industry titans, as well as rising stars, unpacking their expertise in action-packed 15-minute episodes, showcasing the power of product marketing through real-world case studies. And today, we are joined by none other than the product marketing maestro himself, Harvey Lee. With over 25 years in product marketing roles for companies such as Virgin, Microsoft, Kaspersky, Avast, Seiko, Epson, and others, Harvey has a track record of helping businesses of all shapes, sizes, and growth stages find the true value of their product or service. Harvey has helped organizations sell over 50 million units of their product, generate over $1.5 billion in annual revenue, and he has traveled over 93,000 miles a year, partnering with stakeholders to deliver game-changing results. Harvey, it is an absolute honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. That's quite the intro. <laughs> hey, your <laughs> reputation precedes you, Harvey. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Okay, cool. So, Harvey, um, without further ado, as yeah. promised, let's give our audience some actionable insights that leverage a real-world case study from your vast experience. And let's, Harvey, use the STAR framework. So we'll talk about the situation. We'll talk about the targets. We'll talk about some of the actions. And, of course, we'll talk about the results. So with that, Harvey, please tell us. Pick a situation from your experience and tell us a little bit about that situation. Thanks. Well, I, I think one of the most relatable and well-known battles in the market that I personally had been very involved with, I've got to go back about 20 years, is the battle between Microsoft and Sony, or specifically, I should say, the battle between Xbox and PlayStation. So I think one of the things to, to, to understand about the situation is why and how did Xbox get approved? Because it's the kind of thing that isn't really broadly broadly shared, or should I say, at least put into context. So, and this voice picked up at the back of the room and said, well, what about Sony? And that kind of stopped the discussion and Bill and Steve, the story goes, Bill and Steve looked at each other and went, yeah, what about Sony? And they were questioning themselves, yeah, what about Sony? And this technical guy, senior guy at the back of the room said, you know, Sony is slowly taking over the living room. And they've got a, you know, they've got their televisions. They've got a microchip here, a processor there. They've got the DVD players. They've got the content studios. They've got Columbia Pictures. They've got Sony Records Music and all of that stuff. You know, they could pose a real threat to Microsoft. And that single line pitch, exactly three words, single line pitch, after all the hours of making the positive business case actually is what got the Xbox approved. And when you're taking on a huge incumbent um, competitor, 
you need to think very, very carefully. And the cop that I, I use the story, the old story of sort of David versus Goliath, if people remember that from the school days. Right? David was the little upstart. He was a little pipsqueak. He had no weapons. I mean, nobody would look at him twice. Goliath is huge, undefeated soldier. Uh, just nobody would say anything to him. He would just crush everyone and everything in his way. But yet David challenged him to a one-off fight and won, not because he's stronger, but because he was smarter. He knew his opponent's weakness. So the question, the situation was Microsoft had to take on a hugely incumbent competitor who corporately, corporately were three times bigger than them at the time. So you've got the Xbox approved. That's the that's the context. That's the situation. What? Where do we go from here? What's the next? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's amazing, Harvey. The way you describe it, like uh, David versus Goliath. I think a lot of our audience can relate to that situation, whether they are at small startups or even major tech companies. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're entering a new category, and it is a David versus Goliath situation. So thank you for laying out that situation. Harvey, let's now talk about some of the targets, either quantitatively or qualitatively. How should we think yeah. about the targets you were facing? Well, quantitatively, I can't really talk about it, but, but qualitatively is an interesting one because if you go back to the situation, really the goal was to, for Microsoft to establish themselves as a credible player in this category. If we, re, if we recall at the time, and everything is subject to time because time is a great leveler, but it also provides context. Uh, if we look at the time, Microsoft were already a credible player in the PC game space. Microsoft Simulator, Flight Simulator, Age of Empires had all been big hits and the follow-ups had all been big hits. So Microsoft Game Studios from a PC game was highly credible, but this is a completely different category, right? So yeah, it's games, but it's not games. The video games console is you are a hardware manufacturer, you're in consumer electronics, you're not just in software. So really, the most important thing here was establish yourselves in the category and don't let Sony run away with this generation. That was the number one. Because PlayStation 2, by the time the first Xbox would launch in America, would be 10 million units ahead already. So they're already, they're already 10 million units ahead. And we're still in the starting blocks. So missing the launch day, again, was not an option. So just stay, staying in the game was good enough. Being a well-established, credible market entry really was good enough. Yeah, wow. So <clears throat> I think that's amazing. So we've talked about the situation, entering a new category, the targets, which is just earning credibility as a player, right? Because mm. people often think of all oh, the usual suspects, those are the players, but no one thought of Microsoft as a player in the space. So yeah. that's wonderful. So we'll talk about the situation and targets. Next is the meat and potatoes, Harvey. So tell us, what were some of the actions that you and your team took to make some of this happen? Yeah, so um, I worked in the European team, not in the in the head office team out, out in Redmond, Washington. So what steps did we take in Europe? Well, in the US, they had a very successful launch. And, and to put a put some context around the look, the timing of the look, about how challenging it is, not just for the, for the uh, category entry or for the physical manufacturing, what we had to do, the backdrop was 9-11 had just happened eight weeks earlier. So just to put you into a time and a place, 
and a mindset wow. of where everybody in the world was, especially those in the States and especially those in New York, because the launch was in New York in Times Square. Oh, wow. It was at Toys R Us, if everybody remembers that. It was at the Toys R Us store in Times Square in November 2001. Um, but eventually it came together. But the, um, the actions that we had to take were, were, were very pragmatic. Because it was like, we don't have this, we don't have this. Like, okay, what is the question we had to ask ourselves? What is it we can do? Not is not what is it we can't do. Um, the big action we had in Europe was around leveraging the US launch, which had established a certain level of great credibility. It's like we actually did this thing. Um, so we wrote that number one action, leverage it and prove to the world it was coming here. Uh, number two was make sure it was a pop culture phenomenon, you know, in terms of its launch. The launch was massive. We had our launch day, the evening of the 14th, March, 2002. It was the Virgin Megastore in the center of London and Richard Branson showed up as he does. Oh, wow. Cause he's, he's a magnet to anything. That's a publicity machine. All the daily newspapers were in the days that we had daily newspapers, but then the queuing up around the street, it was years before the iPhone, but you'd think the first iPhone was launching. It was, you know, it was a ticker tape, red rope, red carpet affair all the way down the street. So really the action that we took is to launch and launch big, right? To announce wow. the fact we're here, um, to make sure that our category entry was, didn't go over people's heads and that people knew we were coming and. And, and to leverage the, the success that the US team had, had built up, uh, you know, with a backdrop of the, the worst possible backdrop you could possibly imagine in history, never mind video games. Yeah, wow, what an amazing set of actions. So fundamentally, the big launch, and this was against the backdrop of any number of challenges. You talked yeah. about September 11th, yeah. uh, and you talked about not having the right formats, not having the right games, PAL, yeah. NTSC, the voltage differences, uh, American football versus uh, soccer, which is yeah. a religion in Europe. You know, this reminds me, Harvey, of an important lesson in work and in life, which is we go to war with the army we have, not the army we wish we had. And Correct. it sounds certainly, Harvey, that you and your team went to war with the army you had, and you actually, uh, I believe, claimed a kind of a victory. And that actually gets us to our next section. Now that we've talked about the situation, the targets, the actions, yeah. You've already alluded to some of the results, but tell us a little more, Harvey, about some of the results, especially that you are most proud of from this experience. Well, I think the, I think the most, I this sound sound a, a bit a bit weird, but just surviving it uh, from a results point of view. There's two aspect, two lenses in which we can look through. There's the results of that specific generation, that four years of the first Xbox, because of course there was more generations after that. Or we could look at what the results are now, right? Um, and I think well, let's just touch on both of them if we can, because I, I think it would be wrong to look at the results, just the first one in isolation, because actually it's not an active reflection of where the platform is now. So where did we finish the generation? So the generation of the first Xbox finished early. The reason it finished early is it was hemorrhaging money it, yes, it was, it was scheduled to lose a lot of money. It lost three, three times more, maybe even a bit more, more money than was budgeted. It got repositioned as the shooter box because we didn't have the titles. We only had one hero title, which was Halo, uh, that people were just going on and on about. And we didn't, for, for lots of other reasons around positioning and replenishment and fulfillment in the portfolio, we didn't have 
the games that we needed when we needed them with the frequency that we needed them. So the box got repositioned. We went to the Japanese market with an aspiration of really establishing ourselves. Obviously, Japan is the home of modern video games. Uh, and we got more than a bloody nose. I'd say that we got a full frontal kick in the face repeatedly by the market there as as a foreign entity. Um, and we finished that we finished that generation with less than two percent market share. I mean, it was a bloodbath. It was horrible, right? And the company learned its lessons and had massive success in the next seven years with the Xbox 360. That finished in Northern Europe uh, as the number one video games console, according to GFK. It had the largest share of wallet, larger than Nintendo and Sony combined. We won the next generation. Now, think about these numbers. Let's finish on here. We started Xbox in 2001, 2002 with $0. It made nothing. In fact, it cost billions. Sunk cost billions. By the time I left 12 years ago, my personal P&L line for my hardware line, just in Europe alone, per year was $1.5 billion, right? Amazing. Just oh mine. Oh, my God. Just mine, right? Remarkable. Remarkable. Dreams do come true, Harvey. I think this is a story about that, if about anything else. And it's amazing how you talk about all these challenges that you went through, the trials and tribulations. You may have found success in one geography, but perhaps challenges uh, in another geography and how it takes time. So I think some of the lessons for our audience is we have to stick with it. You know, sometimes we may see bursts, spikes of success and troughs, but yeah. we shouldn't, you know, have whiplash and immediately change direction. Absolutely. We should persevere, we should stick with it and play the long game. These are amazing insights, Harvey. I think that's uh, extremely well said. So Harvey, with all these insights, I think our audience is so much wiser Tell us, Harvey, where can people find more about you? And tell us about your upcoming book, Backstage Pass. We're eager yeah. to hear. Oh, well, thank you for mentioning the book. So you can find me online. Obviously, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm probably the least hard person, hardest person in product marketing to find. Uh, so come follow me, connect with me on, on LinkedIn. I'm very engaged every single day on, on LinkedIn. You send me a message, I'll reply. Um, I opened up my book of business. So I'm doing consulting and teaching and mentoring. Uh, and public speaking uh, now, uh, which I'm really enjoying. But the book is a, is, a, is kind of a focus uh, right now. It's coming out on the 14th of February. It's called Backstage Pass, a business book that's far from conventional. And basically, it's a personal career development book, um, and it's wrapped around true rock and roll and video game stories, some of which, some of the things I've just touched upon in the things that we've talked about. And it's my story from school all the way through to about 10 years ago, including all three generations of Xbox, all my tour stories and war stories in the music industry, um, which I spent 20 years in. It's, it, it, I've been told it's very, very different. That's why I call it 50% rock and roll, 50% business, 100% true. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to this. It's out on the 14th of Feb. You can pre-order it on all the usual suspects. Uh, wherever they sell good books, which is Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, in the UK, Waterstones, you name it, it's available everywhere. It's available for pre-order and it's on all four formats on the same day. So it's hardback, paperback, ebook, Kindle, and audiobook as well. <laughs> Absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. For those of you who are not yet familiar with Harvey Lee, which is quite surprising, do check him out on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in learning about some of the secret sauce that makes Harvey Lee tick, 
check out his upcoming book, Backstage Pass. And as Harvey mentioned, he also does consulting. So if you have a question and you want to reach out and tap the most brilliant brains in product marketing, you can look no further than Harvey Lee. So Harvey Lee, once again, thank you so much. My friends, with all the insights that we've gained today, let's go and make the magic happen.